My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. I want to share a little bit today about what's in this envelope. Uh, This is an important envelope for me. If I were to lose this envelope, I would be in serious trouble because this envelope contains my identity. When I think about the documents inside this envelope, they define me. Some of these documents have helped me achieve things in life. Some of them have gotten me in trouble. Some of them have gotten me out of trouble. Uh, There are no report cards in here, by the way. Uh, But this is a birth certificate. This is my original birth certificate, Clinton County Hospital, Frankfort, Indiana, 3.46 a.m. Thursday, the 26th of November, 1964. That was Thanksgiving, by the way. That's what I did to my mom on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yes. Thanks, Mom. Uh, Inside here, I have a couple other things. This is an important one. I remember this. This, I think I signed this in 1972. This is my Social Security card. And this is my original one. And um, I am hoping that by the time I reach Social Security age, my number will matter. Okay, I don't know if we're running out of numbers or if we're running out of money, uh, but this is an identifier. This number is an important number, and you don't give that out lightly. People can actually steal your identity with this number, and so I will not be sharing that number with you today. <clears throat> uh, this is my Oregon driver's license. This is important, uh, especially when I get pulled over, as I don't usually do, but have been pulled over. Um, And this is a a number. I received this number in 1983 when I moved up here to go to college in Salem. And it's still the same number. And uh, this, you know, tells me that I can drive a car. I can drive a motorcycle, ride a motorcycle. I used to have a CDL. And so I could, you know, drive a truck or a bus. And, uh, you know, this is an important piece of information. I'm supposed to carry this with me when I drive. It identifies me in case something goes wrong there. This one is my Oregon Concealed Handgun License, so you should be very concerned. (laughs) I don't carry on the weekend, um, so the pressure's off. But if I do carry, this is uh, the reminder that I've been authorized by our sheriff to carry. Uh, This is a great document. This is my passport. This gets me in and out of the country, and this helped me uh, not get stuck. Right? If you lose your passport, you're in trouble. And so this passport enables me to go through borders. It is something that's scanned. It's something that's fed into a database. I have a global traveler's authorization, the FBI background, check the whole thing. And all I do is lay this down here and it knows who I am. It takes a picture. This is an important document. And many of you have these. Now, the, the question is, do these really, truly define me? Well, no. I mean, they, if those were lost, somebody couldn't steal my identity with any one of those documents, right? 
the reality is, is that I'm more than those documents. But those are the documents we use in our culture. And I think, you know, when we think about identity, when we think about who we are, we use a lot of identifiers to define ourselves. Uh, some of us in the room, when we think about ourselves, we think about ourselves as a man or a woman or a husband or a wife or a single. We look at our sexuality and define ourselves. We look at our relationships and define ourselves. That's who we are. Uh, some of us look at our jobs and define ourselves. I, I know we do this a lot because in our conversations, we meet people. After a while, the obvious question is, well, what do you do for a living? And well, I'm an engineer, or I'm a mechanic, or I'm a school teacher, or I'm a scientist, or sometimes it's about degrees or titles. I sent an email this morning, and you know, I was referencing a medical doctor and a physician assistant, and those titles are important. Some of you have PhDs. Some of you uh, did graduate high school, right? You don't even have a high school diploma. Maybe you have a GED. We use letters to identify ourselves. Uh, sometimes we use. Uh, things that are negative. When you think about our culture, we think about how we grew up. We think about Seema's story of being abandoned. That's, a, that's an identifier. I was abandoned. She could say that. I was dropped off on the side of the road. I was not wanted. That is an identifier. You do not leave that quickly. Uh, some of you have had such negative identifiers because of what other people have said about you. Maybe some of your own struggles uh, some of us in this room, when we think about our identity, when we look in the mirror, all we see is a failure or a loser. Some of us have a positive self-esteem, maybe overly positive self-esteem, right? <laughs> we're very intelligent or we're very successful. We have all these achievements. And, and none of those things are necessarily good or bad. I mean, I, I would hope you would not you know, strive to be a failure or a loser. And the Bible says that you're loved by God. But, but the truth is those are labels that we give ourselves and labels that other people give to us. But the question is, are those identifiers true? Are they real? I know we make them real in our relationships, but is this really how we're seen? Uh, we, we go to church. You, you go to church. I know that because you're here. Thank you. And, um, and some of us, we go, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a church attender, and I'm pretty faithful in that. And we read our Bibles. We pray. We look at those as things we do, activities, but even sometimes labels. And we think those things define who we are as Christians. And yet when we think about identity and we think about identity theft, what I'd like us to do, and this is the middle part of our series, is I want us to go to where God goes. I want us to talk about what God talks about. I, I want us to say what God says about us. We can easily give ourselves labels. We can give ourselves stickers and we can give ourselves identity and good or bad. But really what matters and I think should matter to each of us as followers of Jesus Christ and even those that aren't followers of Jesus Christ is that we accept the truth about who we are and we're not gonna get that from inside and we're not gonna get that from others around us outside. But we will get it from God because he's our creator and he will tell us exactly who we are and that should matter. When we think about our identity, I, I want to make a simple statement here, and it's going to drive us in the course of this conversation, this message, is that our identity is really not about us. Our identity is about God. When we think about 
our lives, we think about who we are, right? We, we think about our achievements, accomplishments, how we see ourselves. I, I'm firmly convinced that we think about ourselves a lot, right? If we were to be honest, we think about ourselves often, good or bad, right? Uh, sometimes we're the hero. I, well, not sometimes, we're always the hero, right? We're always the hero of our own story, right? We are. Uh, if you ever had those conversations, you're in the shower and you're having an argument with somebody in your head, don't you always win? I do. I'm glorious in those conversations. Now, in real life, not so much, but man, in my head, I'm a hero, right? We always think of ourselves in a positive light. And yet, maybe some of you have had some tragic circumstances, and you don't think of yourself in a positive light. You think of yourself in a negative light. Who we are, what we have done, what we've created, the the good things we've built, the horrible things we've done, the way we've destroyed things. But you know, when we think about the New Testament in particular, I want us to look at some words from the Apostle Paul as he writes to followers of Christ, like ourselves. He's not really concerned about who we are. He's concerned about who God is. And he's not concerned about what we've done. He's concerned about what God has done. And most importantly, who we are in Christ. And so today I want to talk about what God has done. And as a result of that, who we are in Christ But this is going to give us a picture of who he is. He is our heavenly father that loves us. And he has called us sons and daughters. And he has done everything necessary for us to have the right identity. Now, in Paul's words, he doesn't, interestingly enough, ever use the word Christian. He doesn't call us Christians, all right? That's a much later tag that we became to be known as. He often uses the term disciple. That's an important one. But over 160 times, Paul identifies you and me, the believers he's writing to, with this little phrase, these two words, in him, or in Christ, or in Jesus. And I want us to look at that, and I want us to think about that. Now, I want to look at it quickly through one sentence of Scripture. Just one sentence, a simple sentence that starts in Ephesians chapter 1, and pretty much covers the whole chapter. But it's just one sentence. Uh, and and I, I want us to look at that because we're going to get a super fast picture of how Paul sees us. And I think how we should see ourselves as a proper identity under God. So in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 down to 13, it's one long sentence. So I'm not going to breathe at all when I read this. Sorry, just teasing. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, it's really all about God. It's who God is. That everything is about God. It's not about us. It's not our story. It's God's story. It's his story. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And here it is. You're going to see this a lot in Christ or in him or in Jesus. We have been blessed in, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I don't even know the depths of that. I don't understand that. I, I don't fathom that. I don't appreciate that. That we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ because of Christ. I'll explain what those two words mean in just a bit. But just think about this. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, here it is again, in him, in Jesus, in Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Uh, One of the challenging things for my brain is to understand time. Uh, I love, you know, Back to the Future, Doctor Who, all those time travel things. Those are a lot of fun. Okay, but think about this. Before the creation of the world, God chose you. That has to do something to you. That's, you're special. God chose you. Not because of your good looks. 
I would choose you because of your good looks. God chose you because of himself. He chose you and he placed you in Christ, in him. Before the creation of the world, God started a plan in place that involved you. But it wasn't about you, it was about him and what he wants to do in and through you. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. We will see this in a bit, but when God looks at you, he does not see you with the identifiers that you see or others see. He sees you with the identifier of Christ. You are holy and blameless in his sight. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I struggle with that. I look in the mirror and I don't see holy and blameless. And if you know me, you don't see holy and blameless. And if you question that, ask my wife or my kids or my cats. If you don't see holy and blameless, they don't see holy and blameless. But that's how God sees me. He sees you because of Christ. Look at this. He says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and sons and daughters, children, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in Christ. He has adopted us. He's brought us into a family. He has started this process. He is working on this, doing this process. He's completed this process already, and it will be revealed one day in its finality. Paul goes on to say this. He says, in him, here it is, in Christ, in Jesus, we have redemption. This is that we are purchased out of the slave market of sin. We're bought with the price, the blood of Christ. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Meaning Jesus died on the cross and when he died on the cross, the blood he shed covered over our sin. By his death, we have life. By his blood, by his wounds and scars, the Bible says, we are healed. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed, again, in Christ. He had a plan. It was about Jesus, his son, in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So the very beginning, before our beginning, he started this process. He chose us in him. He's working this process out uh, through Jesus, you know, towards us, in us. And then one day it will be completed. That will be finished, right? Everything will be recreated and we will, you know, be in a perfect relationship with God. No more sin, no more struggle, no more sorrow, no more shame. It'll all be gone. We will be complete, right? This is all about God and what he's done. He goes on to say this, in him, here it is again, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. I get asked every once in a while, do you believe in predestination? I go, well, I kind of read the Bible and, you know, of course I believe it. Do I understand it? Not so much, (laughs) okay? I get it in my head, but God had a plan and he involved you. He involved you. It's not about you involving him. And I know that's kind of messy. I know that's kind of challenged for us because we think we prayed a prayer. We received Christ. We made a decision to follow Christ. And although that is true, it really all started with him. And he is the one that enabled us to do that. He's the one that called us. He is the one that won our hearts. And it's really about him. It's not about us, my friends. It's about him and what he's done. He says, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, there it is again, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also, that's us, were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. For me, I did that 
Almost 40 years ago, December will be 40 years for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. I was just a 15-year-old kid, and I responded to the message, and I received Christ. And I was included. I was included. I was brought into the family. And some of you know that. You know your day. You know your month. You know your year. You remember that time. Some of you, maybe not so much. You were young. Some of you, you go, I don't, I don't know what you mean. I kind of just, I go to church, you know. And if you were to think about this, you were included in church, when you heard the word of truth, right? That's kind of how you would read that. I'm, I'm in church. And well, it's not about being in church. It's about being in Christ. I'm glad you're in church. That's good. Again, I'd be lonely if you weren't here, okay? It would be weird for me to be here talking on a platform with nobody here, okay? They have hospitals for people who do things like that, right? Okay. But it's not about being in church. It's about being in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And then he wraps it up with these words. He says, having believed, you were marked in him. Here it is, in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Again, it's all about him and what he's done. And now, as a result, who we are in Christ. All this passage is saying everything I want to communicate today, that you are loved by God. You are special. You are cared for but because of God, not because of your intrinsic value, not because of your works. I I struggle with this because by nature, I work and I think about myself as someone who strives for perfection. I I work hard at things. I easily would fall into the trap of being a workaholic because there's this innate lie inside of me that says, the more I do, the better I am. If I can achieve, I will be accepted. I believe this lie that says, even God sees me that way, that I have to perform for God. I have to work for God. I have to earn God's grace. That is a lie. That is a lie. And I think of myself, when I think about my relationship with God, sometimes it's more about me than it's about him. I don't know if you can relate to what I'm talking about. But I think about how well I do or how poorly I do. If I do enough, if I pray enough, if I read enough, if I attend enough, if I give enough, if I serve enough, that I will be enough. And that's, that's a self-salvation plan. And that is not Christianity. That is churchianity. That is religion. But it's not about a relationship. It's not about a relationship. My, my sons have chores and they're here, and so what I'm going to say is super dangerous right now because I love them even if they don't do their chores. Did you write that down? I will sign that in blood. Okay, all right. It's because it's not about performance, right? They're my sons. My wife and I had children. What a blessing. And they're our sons, and nothing will ever tear us away from that love, right? Nothing. Maybe video games a little bit, Minecraft, not sure, you know. Nothing will ever separate my love, my wife's love for our children. And it's not about a performance. It's about a relationship. And when Paul looks at you and me, he says, I just want you to get this. It's all about God. Your identity should be rooted in God. It's all about what he's done. Your identity should not be rooted in what you've done, but about what he's done. And most importantly, you're not about being in church. You're about being in Christ in Jesus Christ, the one who has done all of the work for us. I think that should motivate us. Again, Paul uses this phrase over and over and over again. Your self-worth, your meaning, your identity should all come into coalescence, into focus with those two 
words, in Christ. And I would say this, I'd be so bold to say whatever other label you have, whether you've given it, somebody else has given it to yourself, positive, negative, whatever it might be, whatever identifier, those must bow down before in Christ or you have an idol. I'm gonna gonna say this, that I have run into a lot of Christians that actually are probably Americans before they're Christians. And that's dangerous, my friends. I've run into a lot of Christians who are uh, Republicans or Democrats before they're Christians. And that's dangerous, my friends. Conservatives are liberal. And I can, I can guarantee you, I've run into a lot of Christians who are ducks before they're Christians <laughs> or beavers before they're Christians or warriors before they're Christians. I know, okay, hold on. No, no, no that's like... To be a warrior is a Christian because God is a warrior. The scripture says that. Nowhere does it say he's a raptor. He's not. It says he's a warrior. I just want you to note that. Okay. When you think about any other identity, any other identity, if that's who you are, that must bow before Jesus because you are in him. And if you stake your claim in, pick a label, pick an identity, and that's who you are, that could be an idol, my friends. Kill that, destroy it, knock it off the throne and put Jesus in the first place. Now, I don't know if you think about what does it mean to be in Christ, I wanna kind of share kind of a theological thought here. Biblically, it's kind of mysterious. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means this. You and I have been placed in a special relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That's it. You and I now have God living inside of us. We are not God. We are not becoming God. We will not become God, okay? We will not ultimately be a God. We're his creation. But God so loved us that because of Christ, he deposited his Holy Spirit inside of us, and that is a guarantee of what he's going to do. Now, that means, practically speaking, that today, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are living the life of Christ on the earth today. This, this, will, this will not just blow your mind, but it will change every perspective and priority for you, is that God wants to live his life in you and through you today. You can't live the Christian life, but you can let Jesus live it through you. A little bit later, we're going to see this, that that not as exciting as living the Christian life, a little less exciting, probably a little dangerous, is that we experience the sufferings of Christ on this earth. And, and maybe most of us here in America don't, but around the world, believers suffer for their faith. And they are suffering in the same way Jesus suffered. And there's an element, and again, this might not happen for us, but it definitely happens today around the world, who will experience the death of Christ with their own death because they will die in Christ and ultimately all of us who believe in Christ will experience the resurrection of Christ because we will be resurrected in him and we will be changed again our salvation is not about who we are it's not about what we've done but it's about who he is and what he's done and your story my story gets caught up in his story and transformed in his story now, um, I'm going to just use this as an illustration, and this, this is the best way I've ever seen it. But all my identifiers, all of my 
things that tell me who I am or tell others who I am. These little cards that I carry around, these little things with my picture on them that make me look much older than I really am. Um, These things really um, are not who I am anymore. When God looks at me, he sees me in Christ. And, And this was explained to me many years ago. This is who I am. And this is who you are. When you're placed in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees the finished work of Jesus, accomplished, already done. It was finished on the cross. Now, what we do is we participate with him in this. We walk this, we live this. And do we fail? Absolutely, we fail. Do we struggle? Without question, we struggle. Do we, in our own mentality, take three steps forward and two steps back? Some of you take two steps forward and five steps back, right? We've had those weeks, right? We've had those months. We've had those cycles and spins, right? But when all is said and done, when you are placed in Christ, it is accomplished. It is forever sealed and it is done. And now he looks at you in a precious way. Now for the next three hours, I want to look at all 160 verses. No, I'm not. But I do for the next few minutes want to just quickly go through a synopsis, just a squishing together of everything Paul said about being in Christ. I'm just going to fly through this. Again, grab the notes if you need it. In Christ, you were given grace before the world was created. As much as I, I, don't, I don't fathom this, this is truth. Paul says, he has saved us. God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. It's not about you. It's about God. Number two, in Christ, you were chosen by God before creation. Paul says, for he chose us in him, here it is, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's his plan all along for you and for me. Number three, in Christ, you are loved by God with an inseparable love. Paul says to the Romans, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are safe and secure in Christ. Nothing can tear you away from that. Number four, he says, in Christ, you were redeemed and forgiven for all your sins. Paul says, in him, in Christ, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have a right relationship with God. Number five, in Christ, you are justified, made right before God, put in a right relationship before God and the righteousness of God is imputed, put into your account. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And number six, in Christ, you have become a new creation of God. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That is who you and I are. But do we see it that way? Now, part of my wrestling with this is, Okay, that's, that's good for here, but how does someone who lived 2,000 years ago affect my life today? What does it mean to be in Christ? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus showed up. I know the Bible says that he was with God. He, he's God in the beginning of creation, and one day he's going to be on the throne, and it's all about Jesus. I get all that. But that was 2,000 years ago. What about today? What about now? There are a lot of identifiers out in the world. There are a lot of labels out in the world. How do I push those aside and only go to this one, which is in Christ? 
How do I run to that one? Well, this, this might help. There are a lot of religions today. There are a lot of beliefs today. There are a lot of moral teachers and, and a lot of great wisdom out there. And if you think about it, uh, a, a, a majority of the world, or not a majority, um, I would say like pretty much everybody, even atheists, um, believe in some kind of faith. They have some kind of faith, right? They put their trust in some kind of wisdom, some kind of teaching, some kind of other who says this is how it is, right? And we might think it's ours, but somebody else has taught us these things. Okay, when it comes to religion, roughly a third of the world would say uh, a teacher like Moses, right? And let's go to the writings of Moses, and they will follow the writings of Moses, And whatever Moses said, they will try to achieve that in their life, right? Or Buddha or any of the Eastern religions, right? And all the wisdom of Buddha. And they will say, I want to adopt that in my life. I want to have peace by the teachings of Buddha. Or Muhammad. I want whatever Muhammad said and wrote down the Holy Quran, I want that to be adopted in my life. I want to follow that, right? And so we will look at those things and those people around the world, all around us in our neighborhood, they will say, I'm following Moses or I'm following Buddha or, or the, you know, the plethora of, uh, of Eastern religion or I'm following uh, Muhammad. And you've got Judaism, you've got Eastern beliefs, you've got, you've got you know, Islam and you've got Christianity, Jesus teaching. But here's the thing. We don't really follow Jesus teaching. We follow Jesus. And, and Moses is dead. He died. Buddha is dead. He died. Muhammad is dead. He died. Jesus is not dead. Now he died, but he rose again. And he put his spirit inside of you and me. And so today, for you to be in Christ means that you have God living inside of you, breathing inside of you, changing you, putting you into the right relationship, the right direction, conforming you, shaping you more and more like Jesus. Now, you can either walk along that path willingly, and you can sometimes resist. We can drag our heels on that one. But you are in Christ. And as someone who's in Christ, you're fundamentally a different person. And all other identifiers must crumble before that, that you have a relationship with Christ. I want to quickly go through this. This is a beautiful little reminder of how this works. Paul, the Apostle Paul, this was his identity theft right here. He says, if anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, in my own identity, what we've done, I've got so much more circumcised on the eighth day. He's saying, I was born into a religious family, a Jewish family of the people of Israel. I'm a child of Abraham. I could trace my line back to Abraham. Of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, Saul, Israel's first king, was from Benjamin. Uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm like it. I'm like an American. I'm like an all-American, right? He says here, in regards to the law, the rules, the teachings of Moses, I was a Pharisee. I was the top of the top, right? He says, as for zeal, persecuting the church, I, I, more than anybody, I strove in such great ways. I, I excelled at my religion. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. In other words, all my identifiers were working for me until I met Jesus. He says this, But whatever was to my profit, all that I considered gain, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He he says this, I consider them all rubbish, all those identifiers, all those ways I used to be known and I wanted to be known as. It's all garbage. It's all excrement, really. It's worthless dung. It it, it used to be my 
my whole heart's desire, and now it just stinks to high heaven. I consider all of them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own law that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And he says this, and I love this. He says, this is it. If I could just wrap it up, and this is the sum total. I want to know Christ. That, that means an experiential knowledge, not a head knowledge, not a book knowledge, but a relational knowledge. I want to keep growing. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, when all is said and done, I, I just want to live for Jesus because Jesus is living inside of me. And I just want Jesus to be known. I don't want me to be known. I wanted to be known but I don't want to be known anymore. I want people to see Jesus in me. That is my whole identity now. And if that means suffering, it means suffering. If that means dying, it means dying because I know it'll mean resurrection because Jesus was resurrected and I have that security. I want to think about this and I I just wrote this down because I wanted to make sure I got all the words right. For you and for me today, that same Jesus who overcame every temptation and was perfectly obedient, That Jesus is inside of you right now if you're in Christ. That same Jesus who had compassion on the crowds and who healed the sick, that same Jesus is inside of you right now if you're in Christ. That same Jesus who is humble like a servant who washed his disciples' feet, that Jesus is in you right now. That same Jesus who suffered, bled, and died and loved to the end, that Jesus is in you right now. That same Jesus who was raised to new life, that Jesus is living inside you right now if you're in Christ. You have been placed in a special relationship in Christ. And that means that God is going to accomplish what he set out to accomplish. And we may wrestle with God and we may push God aside at times. We all do that. But God is going to achieve his purpose in your life. We have to line ourselves up to that and strip off any label, any sticker, any identity that takes us away from that. But our sole identity is in Christ. If not, Your identity's been stolen. You've allowed someone else to take your identity from you and give you a false identity. Now, I've been thinking a lot about Batman and Spider-Man. Stick with me. Um, I like Batman. I've always liked Batman. As a little kid, I remember watching that late 60s Batman show. Pow, boom, penguin, Joker. Love that stuff. But can I be honest? Batman's just a rich dude with a lot of toys, right? He's just like you and me. He's just got a lot of money, right? And he can just buy stuff. And he can put on all this armor and all these really cool cars and planes and motorcycles and things like that. That's who Batman is. He's a normal dude with a lot of money. And from the outside, he has this great appearance. He's got a cape. I mean, wouldn't that be cool to have a cape? All right? Spider-Man's different, though. Peter Parker, he was just a normal dude. He was just a friendly neighborhood, geeky teenager. And he got bit by a radioactive spider. You know this, right? Because it's in the historical documents known as comic books. (laughs) We all know this, right? And something happened. Peter Parker changed. Uh, Spider-Man has some cool toys, no question. But he's fundamentally different. From the inside out, a transformation occurred. And he is no longer the same person. And what he does and how he does it 
is not based on the outside in it, but from the inside out. And I would ask, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are you trying to be like a Batman Christian? Add church attendance, add Bible reading and prayer and giving and serving all that stuff. And so therefore, you have this ability because that kind of, well, that kind of life is nothing but religion. It's in church. And, and I'm glad you're in church, but you've got to make a transformation from in church to in Christ. Or, this is weird, but are you going to let the radioactive spider <laughs> bite you? <laughs> Sorry, I have to finish the metaphor or it won't make sense. And you don't have a cape, but you are changed from the inside out. You're fundamentally different because you're in Christ. Are you living like Batman? Why don't you just put the cape aside, take off the outfit, because you're just a normal human being. Or are you living like a changed person from the inside out that has been forever created new and a new creation in Christ? And my encouragement, the whole reason I do what I do and we do at church is to help people make the transition from having the external spiritual life to having an internal spiritual life, which is about God, which is about who he is and what he's done for you and who you are in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, my whole heart's desire is that people would be in Christ. And if there's some of us that are here that are in church, may we make that transition today and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we'll be saved. You've clearly said that it's about you and what you've done and it's about Jesus and who we could be in him. May we make that transition by believing in his name that what he did on the cross, shedding his blood for us, would be applied to us in our account. And then we'll be placed in Christ. And for the majority of us, we're in Christ. We're, We're followers of Jesus. But if there's another label, if there's another title, if there's another word or sticker or identifier, it's been placed on us or we've stuck on ourselves. God, cause us to strip that down today and destroy that as an idol and throw it aside and have only one identifier and that's we are in Christ because you've loved us and you've given your life for us and this story is really about you and what you've done and as we partner with you, you change us and then the world sees that. The world sees us as brand new people who are transformed forever changed, forever different. And that's compelling. We need more of that. So thank you, Father, for your love and what you've done in Christ for us. It is all about you. We praise you for it. In your name, amen.